Uh, from a vendor's point of view, going to 10 mil bottles would be insane. That would be so much work. There's, I mean, my clients, all my clients come in, they buy either, you know, 60 or 120 mil bottles. They want to come in once a month. They don't want to come in every two days or every three days. You know, they want to get their juice supply for the month and be done with it. You know, so it's, um, it's some of these regulations are just insane what they're asking. I keep thinking in my brain, fight for rights, but it's really rights for vapors. Is there any difference? Well, I mean, in reality, we're both, we're fighting for the rights of vapors, but we do need to fight for our rights because what's happening, I'm not the best person to expand on the constitutional challenges, but uh, what's been pushed onto the vaping community and the vaping industry is is uh, is not fair and it's it's unconstitutional. So you're CEO of Van Gogh? That's right. Now that's one of the largest e-juice companies in Canada, isn't it? That's right. And you're based here in British Columbia. Yes, we've been here since uh, 2014. So what's the consultation been like with the BC government on the new regs? It's been interesting and you know, ever since 2017 when the, the federal government released S5, um, there's not enough interpretation. They often um, change their interpretations or different enforcement officers have different interpretations. We deal with Health Canada, we've dealt with the minister and uh, at this point they just they haven't been giving us inf enough information. Up until January 24th there was a consultation open to the public. They haven't released any statements on what they're going to do with it. Ideally they'll take into consideration the significant amount of response they got and the fact that most of the responses had um, similar thoughts and concerns. When we uh, go, went through the 10-point plan in BC, it really seems like the government is trying to crush vaping. And, it, and you know, the unfortunate thing is that they're going to really hurt the BC industry. Already with the taxes, we're paying about 26% because this is the first time a tax is being charged on top of a tax, so GST is being charged on the 20% PST. Um, and on top of that, there's no tax across, across the provincial border. So you go to Alberta, not only are they not going to be paying the taxes, but if the BC government goes ahead with the proposed regulations, we're looking at 10 mil bottles, we're looking at nicotine caps, we're looking at plain packaging. It really incentivizes both cross-border um, purchasing as well as a, a significant black market. How many employees do you have? We have about 10. Okay, and so they've all you know got families, and that's right. And uh, and even from September, actually, we've scaled down. We used to have a, a few more, and uh, from September, October, November, December, there was constant dispute. The, the media was constantly constantly spewing propaganda. They were blanketing statements about how vaping is killing people when really it was the THC cartridges. They understood this. They knew this, and so it's become an assault both on tarnishing the name of vaping as well as tarnishing flavors and the requirement for flavors for adults to help transition from cigarettes. As a business owner here in British Columbia, do you feel welcome? I, <laughs> I do not feel welcome. And one of the things that, uh, you know, the, the frustrating thing about the situation that we're in is as an industry, I think we were self-regulating pretty well. Um, we were all kind of keeping each other accountable. And the unfortunate thing now is that the whole industry has been suffering uh, because of the economic downturn for us. And we're trying to make, we're trying to do what we can. And we're constantly being rejected by media. Politicians don't want to sit with us. They don't want to listen to us. We've provided solutions. We've provided ideas. We've provided the culprits. And it, we're more kind of pushed to the back burner and just we're told to wait. If you could get 10 minutes with Minister Dix, what would your message be? I would tell him to really look at the facts, look at the significant amount of people who have been held by vaping, and to come up with regulations that are based on actual facts and logic, not arbitrary numbers to pacify people to make it look like you're doing something. When you look at the product and its, uh, its potential capacity or capability to eliminate smoking, Smoking-related illnesses kill thousands of people every single day. And so we have an opportunity right now to make ourselves smoke-free, to really help people and make a significant improvement on their health. And uh, 
by by putting extreme regulations, you're not only stopping the current industry, hurting the current industry. It also puts an optic for the industry that doesn't isn't very lucrative for smokers to even look at the product. They're confused, and it doesn't look like a product that can significantly impact their life. Is there a hope? Do you think? I think there's always hope. Um, you know, we're here out here today to try to uh, make to try to voice some of our concerns. We've um, We've done what we can. I think that there is hope. We're hoping that logic will prevail. We're not here pushing an improper narrative or an incorrect narrative. What we're saying is the truth. We're based on facts. We're based on things like you know vaping being 95% safer. The fact that none of the problems or the deaths in the states can be attributed to vaping. It was all to do with THC. So I think there's hope just because we are speaking the truth and we, we represent the truth. And so we're hoping that the truth will eventually come out more. Dr. Tyndall, so when you hear, you know, fight for your rights or rights for vapors, what does that mean to you? Well, I think it's really important that people make their voices loud and clear. I think that uh, from a, a government or medical point of view, uh, nobody really cares about the smoker out there, um, that nobody's coming to help them really. So the, as we've seen with the way vaping's rolled out, that uh, the emphasis is totally on trying to prevent new entrance into either smoking or vaping. And um, it's kind of assumed that if people want to stop smoking, they can do it already. So uh, I think events like this are extremely important. Um, to let the governments know that somebody is interested in the regulations they're trying to put through that are very harmful to people that are currently vaping or thinking about starting vaping. So, yeah. Being involved in this, do you think the rights issue resonates as a message or is or something else better? Well, I, you know, it's the irony to me is people are fighting for a right for something much safer than what they were doing. Like it's not even so much like the, the cannabis movement that people are fighting for their rights for cannabis, which I totally support. Uh, but this is like, we're right now, people are killing themselves with cigarettes. There's a safer product out there and people should be encouraged to do this. So it's, it's almost, it's a bit of an irony that they have to hold rallies to fight to have a safer product in my mind. So, yes. so you're, you're here in BC and obviously spent a lot of time dealing with the provincial government on health issues, of course. And, you know, if you had 10 minutes uh, with Minister Dix on this issue, have you had 10 minutes with Minister Dix? I have not, yeah. So. What would you say to him? Well, that, um, you know, I think we get kind of kind of uh, mixed up between uh, regulation and restriction. So uh, I think everybody who's involved in this uh, wants regulation. Everybody wants good products and know where they came from and what's in them. That's a regulated product. I think it's fine. But uh, when you start mixing that up with restrictions that you can't do this, can't do that, um, then you're overstepping your, what you need to do, and I think that's, uh, that's what I tell Dick. So this is not, uh, uh, regulation's fine, but uh, restriction's not fine. It won't work, and it's uh, very detrimental to, to people. Yeah. And let me ask you about Health Canada now, on a, on a national level. How do you think it's going? Well, you know, if you look at the Health Canada website still, and I have had the opportunity to talk to them last week in uh, in Ottawa. Um, I think they're still committed to using, um, you know, vaping as a harm reduction uh, tool. So I think the the health candidates can uh, going to continue to promote that. But uh, the restrictions and regulations are largely left out to the provinces, and I think they will not get in the way of 
whatever provinces want to do. So uh, they they could take more of a proactive approach, but I don't see that happening. So at one point it seemed that maybe the provinces and the federal government, i.e. Health Canada, might be working at cross purposes. But from what you just said, it sounds like that Health Canada is just going to be happy to let the provinces be the heavy. I, that's the impression I got when I was talking to them in Ottawa, that uh, they want to work in partnership with the provinces, but I don't think if the provinces, what they would consider overstep their, like, Nova Scotia banning all flavors type thing, I, I can't see Health Canada stepping in and uh, pushing back on the provinces. So, um, I, I, you know, I just not, I, I just don't see that happening. But I think they're, um, they certainly realize in Ottawa that this should be positioned as a harm reduction um, intervention, and um, I think they're going to continue to promote that. Endgame, it seems to me, based on our coverage over all these years, that this is a battle to prevent the normalization of vaping. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, the way the narrative's gone, I think that uh, vaping's now been just grouped into smoking. We don't like smoking, then why would we like vaping? And we have not really been able to get the message across that these are totally different things. <laughs> that the only thing that could, that's the same is nicotine, and the health hazards are just so much different that uh, we have to push back and say, look, this is not the same thing. If you see somebody walking in the sidewalk who's smoking, that's a much more dangerous thing they're doing than somebody walking on the sidewalk vaping. And I think in the public's eye, we haven't made that case very, very well. Rights for vapors, what does that mean to you? Well, I think, you know, we as a lot of us who were heavy-duty smokers before, uh, we found an alternative to smoking, which is vaping. Uh, me, for starters, I was a three-pack-a-day smoker. I was a nervous smoker. Um, and when I started vaping, it was the only thing that actually got me off of cigarettes. I've been six years now off of them and have never felt better because of it. Uh, the rights to me is, as adults, we should have the right to choose this thing. Uh, we know smoking kills and to go well we don't know what vaping does yet that's true but i go by well, how i'm feeling and how i'm feeling is much better now i can breathe i can walk three four six kilometers and not be out of breath so to me it's a far better thing do you live here in bc i do i live in north Bend. so what do you think of the proposed bc regulations the 10-point plan as it were uh, I agree with some things. I mean, I'm not going to say I, I think that some of it's a good idea. Um, I think that, you know, restricting access to certain things in convenience stores and things, I think is a good thing because as a vape, working in a vape store, uh, we educate our, our clients as well as our staff on how to deal with clientele. So if we have somebody who's coming in who really doesn't smoke, we're going to tell them not to even bother. Like, why would you want to vape if you're only smoking once a week? Like, one cigarette a week? You don't need to vape even. So in a convenience store, they don't have that access. It's kind of like, just here you go, and that's it. So, you know, you're setting some people up for an addiction maybe that they don't have. We're also, I think, a lot more inclined to the uh, ID. I mean, I know in our shop specifically, we will fire a staff member who does an ID. It's as simple as that. That's the one rule, that's the one thing that's going to get you fired on the spot is you don't ID, you're gone. Do you think sometimes, I know that in our coverage, it feels like that there's a clash now between the early adopters and the original people that built the industry and all those smokers that didn't know anything about vaping and they just started picking up the jewel at the convenience store. And, and don't we want to convert those millions of people that aren't a part of the, 
vaping culture? Our ultimate goal, obviously, like to me, my ultimate goal is get everybody off of tobacco. That's my ultimate goal, just for because I know what it does to everybody. I've seen it firsthand. I've gone through it firsthand. Um, but I think also... If that's your goal, do you think government's getting in the way? I think government is getting a little bit in the way with it. I think, um, like I said, having, putting, taking it and kind of um, making it so, like the 10 mil model size, for instance. You know, you're going to have somebody running all every day when they're first starting, running to the store every single day to get, to get the product. You know, um, and people, a lot of our customers, they're in their 60s. I have clients almost in their 80s, you know, who have to get a ride or take a bus or something. It's not so convenient for them to get to the shop. So for them, for something like a 10 mil bottle that they can't read what's on it even, which is the other thing we have to have all these warning labels and everything, they can't read it. What's the point in that? If you had 10 minutes with Minister Dix, what, what would your message be? I think I'd give my personal story with it all. Um, like I said, I was a three-pack-a-day smoker. I tried Zyban. I tried everything. Nothing worked. When I started vaping, it was more to kind of go, if I can at least cut down, I'll be a happy camper. I'll be happy. Within two weeks, I wasn't smoking anymore. I had no desire to smoke anymore. I haven't looked back from it. Uh, as far as flavors, uh, yes, I, I, I vape. I went from tobacco flavors for about a week to fruit flavors because I didn't want to associate it with smoking even anymore. That's a big part of it, is being able to not associate it with it anymore because to me it's not smoking. It's a different entity and it should be treated in some ways as a different entity because it's not the same thing. Rights for Vapors, what does that mean to you? Rights for Vapors is, is about standing up for your right to have complete access to harm reduction products because vaping is 95% safer than continued smoking of combustible tobacco. The word rights that's in there, we don't hear that often when it comes to vaping. It's always harm reduction and yeah, you know, but, that kind but of thing. Every citizen has the right to access harm reduction, whether that's a, a safe needle clinic or a pregnant woman who's you know, escaping an abusive relationship. She needs a safe harbor. That's her right as a citizen of Canada. So is this a rights issue, pure and simple? It's a rights issue, pure and simple, because we gave up smoking. We found our own way to stop. You know, NRTs didn't work for us. Cold turkey didn't work for us. Hypnosis didn't work for us. So we, you know, and it was consumer driven. It was consumer helping consumer. It was ex-smoker helping current smokers. Ooh. You know, I, I know for myself, six years ago, someone introduced me the concept to me of vaping. And I, I you know, I'm a stay-at-home mom and I bought my own kit, I saved up for it. And I never looked back, that was six years ago. Now, some would say that was six years ago. And today, it's grown, it's commercialized, and it's threatening youth, uh, children, teenagers are using it. Well, teenagers are always going to be risk takers. Uh, you've got candy cannabis right now. Uh, I wonder how many, you know, 17-year-olds are asking their buddy to go buy them some candy cannabis. You, you hear nothing about flavors when it comes to cannabis since it became legalized. How, 
What do you think about Health Canada and how they've handled everything since legalization and more importantly since the lung scare? Since the lung scare, uh, they've been the echo chamber of the United States and the United States, as we well know, lives off the MSA payments, like the Master Settlement Agreement. And uh, they're just, you know, they're doing everything in their power to demonize it. The CDC knew for a long time that it was THC vapes with uh, the vitamin E acetates that were killing those young people. And those young people did not have to die. They didn't have to die. You know, they should have released that information months and months ago, and it should have been headline news everywhere. But they suppressed it. And those young people died, and they didn't need to. And if I was a mom, I would be furious.